You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Mark. What's up, bud? What is up? It's a great week. Yeah. I woke up and I was like, man, you know what? This is game week. That's right. There's a good reason to be fired up this morning. Week one, baby. Yeah. Week one. You've got college football kicking off. Well, you actually already had it with week zero, a yeah. couple games. But the games that matter to us begin Thursday. Plus, you got high school football kicking off Thursday, too. Yeah. So, hey. You better be in a good mood this morning. Plenty to discuss over the next uh, two hours. If you go on to join the conversation, of course, you're welcome to on the Darren Moody State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Find out how to save money on home and auto insurance by stopping by and visiting with Darren on 18th Street in Monroe. He is a huge football fan. All right, this was an eventful weekend, to say the least, and now we look forward to just a gigantic week, all kicking off on Thursday night, of course, with ULM playing host to Southeastern. A plethora of games to break down this week, and we certainly look forward to uh, having a number of guests on and breaking down some of the great matchups. Where do you want to go in terms of headlines from this weekend? I think we have to start with West Monroe Neville, Bayou Jam, because that was the best game of the week. Or the weekend, I should say. So just a nice little appetizer to kind of get you excited about well, week five. So first of all, West Monroe came away with a victory, 7-6. to six. Yeah. But like I told uh, one of the coaches after the game, I think what that did was ensure as close to possible a sellout in Rebel Stadium week five. Because yeah. it was outstanding. If you so they probably, as everybody left, just started selling tickets right then. I, I would have. <laughs> hey. Come back week five. Week five. Remember, we play week five. Um, if you love defense, by the way, if you love defense, this Bayou Jam was for you. And what did we say before the game? We thought this would be a seven nothing probably ball game. Yes, and it looked like that's what it was going to be. And then Neville starts converting these fourth down conversions yeah. in the, the the final half, and Jordan Thomas uh, made a couple of nice throws, and his receivers made some nice plays. And of all the people. To catch the touchdown pass, Aaron, it was Max Hunter, who was formerly with uh, West Monroe. He transferred over to Neville this year. Max Hunter catches a 44-yard touchdown pass uh, with less than a minute to go. It's 7-6. to six. Of course, you remember it was two years ago, kind of reverse situation. West Monroe scores late. They go for two. They get it. So Neville goes for two, and West Monroe stops him. I believe it was Andrew Gleason. Uh, that was in on that stop. Andrew Cleason, by the way, is back and healthy. He was incredible. Um, man, both defenses were outstanding. So if West Monroe's defensive line is able to do that against Neville's O-line, what does that uh, mean for the rest of the year for opponents of West Monroe? Uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Obi says West Monroe's front seven is absolutely massive. Uh, they are, you know, we, we've been hyping them up a lot this this summer. Um most, more specifically, the defensive line, um, and they were as advertised. They were so good. And then, of course, Chandler Moncrief had a really strong debut in a West Monroe uniform. Um, yeah, I was really impressed, but I was also really impressed with Neville's defense because they were not only active, but they were physical. Those linebackers were filling the holes. Man, they were they – were, I was very impressed with, with the way Neville played in that jamboree, and – I guess if you want to be negative about it, you can look at both offenses and go, man, there's a lot of work to be done for both teams. Um, but That it, was the storyline going in. Of yeah. course, the growing pains and the number of weapons that they both would have to replace. Yeah, um, and and you can tell. You, you can tell that's the case. Uh, Neville's, in a, I think, in a better spot because of that offensive line is experienced. And they, you know, they, they are very good. I know they, they struggled against West Monroe, but – I think every offensive line is going to struggle against that defensive front. Um, that said, you know, West Monroe, their offensive line's young. They looked young. Uh, besides that Cameron Wright 45-yard touchdown run, the offense didn't do much. Granted, these are jamborees. You're, you're getting very vanilla play calling. 
But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was as we expected. It was a defensive showdown, and I loved it. Uh, hopefully ULM capitalized on this opportunity because there was a number of uh, faces in that crowd and, of course, on that campus and in that stadium that have not been on that campus in a long time, probably since last year's Bayou Jam. Once again, I haven't got the official numbers. We'll reach out to Patty Thurman, but uh, well attended throughout the two days. I thought Friday night oh, yeah. for Struenton Bastrop, that was a terrific crowd out there. Yeah, and then it just got even bigger for the next night. So, yeah, they, they had a lot of folks at Malone Stadium this weekend. We got a number of things we'll go through, the winners and the losers, if there is such a thing in these jamborees. We'll get to that later on. The other major storyline, and who saw this coming, that Union takes care of Evangel Saturday night over at the Eddie Robinson Classic. Uh, we all watched, of course, and watched uh, Evangel the previous week in the scrimmage versus uh, Neville take care of the Tigers in that one live quarter, 21 to nothing. And then Union, yeah, fourteen to seven. They had more opportunities. It could have been worse than that. They intercept a pass, a hail mary at the end. Uh, I think Union, even though it's a jamboree, they made quite a statement. They're going to be a force to reckon with in that district. I thought it was the biggest score from the weekend. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me, or right, you text me. I was at the yeah. Bayou Jam. You said, "Hey, Union beat Evangel." I said, "What?" Yeah. Did not see that coming. You remember Friday going into it, I was, I, we were both talking about the biggest storylines. I was saying, I want to see how Union competes against an Evangel team. I wasn't expecting them to beat them. So that's that That was an eye, eyebrow raiser. And like, honestly, when you look at the whole district, District 2-3A, two, two, I was trying to figure out who should be the favorite in this district. I think Union might have just established themselves as the favorite with that win. Because Sterlington, of course, struggled against a very good Bastrop team. Bastrop looked really good. We'll get talk more about that later. Um, Richwood got a 12 to nothing win against General Trask, but nothing to really, you know, call home about. And then Wasman handled Carroll. But the fact that Union beat Evangel, a team that, again, before they lost to Catholic, had a won 20 of 21 games. I'm talking about a very good Evangel football team. It's impressive. Delaria says, what do you guys think about the article in the Shreveport Times downplaying Union beating Evangel? Petty Times, LOL. Uh, we'll get to that article. I'm trying to pull it up as we speak. Well, it was a big deal. I hope they treated it as such. Doesn't sound like it. Uh, Brandon says, uh, if defense is the story, it's hard to get a good read on offense. It is. That's that's part of it. Uh, but you had, I, for Neville and Westmore, I thought you had two of the better defenses in the state just slugging it out. Can't wait for week five. Uh, we will certainly dive into the jamborees. We've got a number of uh, sound bites we'll play for you, including uh, caught up with uh, Vic Dalrymple, the Oak Grove legend, as he was honored uh, after the game or at halftime of Oak Grove's uh, jamboree versus Mangum. That was another storyline. Of course, the Dragons, uh, yes. uh, you know, we hear from Tommy Tharp. And uh, we, my team's no yeah, good. Poor mouth in his squad. We fell course. for it again. And quite frankly, they, they look pretty good, especially in the second half. Yes, they did. Uh, did you watch any of the Cowboys last night? Did you miss uh, the eight turnovers that they had and the fact that Dak and, of course, Ezekiel did not play? Yes, I did miss all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. He, I think the biggest thing from this game, according to my Twitter, mm. is the debut of the green zone. Mm. Let me know what you think of the green zone, 888-993-7762. A lot of people upset over um, – Upset? Yeah, well, you know, people are uh, quote-unquote upset about everything. But a lot of people were complaining about it, saying, why there's no need for it. They highlighted the, the yardage that the teams needed to make on third downs with a bright green color. And yeah. Yeah, apparently it didn't go over so well. Hey, maybe there is something to this hard knocks or to your Cleveland Browns. Did you see that game on Thursday night between the Browns and the Eagles? Six million people watched. Not surprised, man. A five to nothing ball game. Uh huh. Three run home run and a two run shot by the Browns. <laughs> well, six million watched the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night. Well, first of all, that's the power of HBO. Second, you think? Yes. When when Hard Knocks is good, people get really excited about these teams. the The more telling stat that I saw is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, odds of winning the Super Bowl, they keep going down. Like, people keep putting money on it because they're seeing what they're, they're – they're watching Hard Knocks, they're tuning in, and they're going, oh, I like this team, and they're getting enamored with all the 
Listen, oh. if you got twenty bucks and you want to wager on the Browns making to the Super Bowl, just give me the twenty dollars. <laughs> let you yes. let you do some horse, yes. horse races. Yes. <laughs> I can do better with that twenty dollars on a couple of races, <laughs> knowing nothing about these thoroughbreds than on the Cleveland Browns. Yes, but you know how that that's how it works, man. Yeah. The, the the people just get they yeah. tune in, they don't know a, a, a ton about it, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, the Browns, yeah, they should be good," because yeah. they're actually watching. I won ten dollars this week on horse racing too, by the way. Of course you did. Well, that's good, Aaron. Yeah. Get you ready for football season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, six million. That was the uh, highest rated preseason game in four years. I don't know how many people were watching the Saints, of course, uh, Saturday night, but they take care of business. They score 36 unanswered points versus the Chargers to win 36-7. to They do that even though uh, Drew Brees started the game off, got off to a rough start, of course, with the interception, and then uh, two, three and outs. And then finally, he gets it going. His final number is seven of nine for fifty-nine yards. Lots of different takeaways from this one. I think what I'm taking away from it is Taysom Hill's performance because we kind of we, we kind of bashed, bashed him last we week. bashed the guy. He wasn't last week. ready for the NFL, and of course, he comes out and has a magnificent preseason it, game. It was really nice to see him have a bounce back performance, yeah. especially after everybody's just like, "What the heck?" So in three preseason games, uh, Hill's numbers. How about this? 26 of 32, 206 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. 130 yards, two touchdowns, uh, running the ball. I believe he ranks in the top 10, if you like this, in preseason. Taysom Hill. Are we all in now? You buying in? No, I I was happy to see him bounce back. I still, well, I'll go back to what I said a couple weeks ago. The ceiling's still high for him. He just has to get the reps, man. He just has to keep getting these reps, and it's good to see him have have some sort of progression. I mean, I know he he wasn't facing the uh, the number one defense there, but I mean, to go out there and do that against any NFL squad, second team or third team, no less. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's it's a positive sign, and I think there's still a bright future for him. He just needs more reps. Uh, probably the bigger news: a guy that will actually watch this season, uh, Marcus Davenport, making his first. Uh, Appearance in the NFL, and boy, in 15 snaps, he magnificent. Three tackles, two of them solo. He had a half a sack. So uh, Marcus Davenport, the uh, Saints rookie, with an impressive debut. Number of uh, headlines from this weekend, of course, the Bayou Jam, the NFL. We are your home for the Houston Astros. How about our Houston Astros? They are now on a five-game winning streak. They take care of business versus the Angels, three to one. They now take on the A's, and they have a game-and-a-half lead on Oakland inside the division. Look, uh, y'all were worrying for nothing. Yes. Y'all were getting carried away with these losing streaks. We knew our Astros would bounce back. Anything else catch your attention? Has Coach O named a starter yet? Well, he hadn't met with the media yet, no. meeting with them today. So I'm sure we'll find out that it's Burrow this afternoon. Uh, Justin McMillan has found a new home in Tulane. Tulane. Yeah. Yes. They're calling him LSU down there. So – he Ohio State's. I mean, Urban's first game back at Ohio State will be against old Justin McMillan, the Tulane Green Wave. Can he start immediately? <laughs> nah, I don't know. I don't know Tulane. You haven't handicapped the quarterback situation. <laughs> I, I haven't broke uh, bro, broke down Tulane, so uh, my apologies there. Uh, how about college football gets underway, and the, the major storyline is the fact that uh, Prairie View almost beats Rice. Yeah, yeah. Big, uh, big weekend for old Prairie View. Uh, they were up, actually had, a, I think, up by nine late in that ball game. Rice has to rally, and, of course, there is a local angle with uh, Prairie View being coached by Eric Dooley, former coordinator out at Grambling. Mm-hmm. Man, you want to talk about making a debut. That would have been the biggest win in that school's history. Yeah, and, uh, Aaron, I'm still waiting on you to get to the headline that you were excited about this weekend. Uh, what was that? Uh, Michelle Beadle. <laughs> After what we talked about last week. Listen, I'm in I'm in ULM's press box Saturday. Aaron comes and finds me. Hey, did you see about Michelle Beadle? Excited. Uh, excited is probably the wrong. Uh, you were excited. <laughs> did you see that she's not on Get Up anymore? Uh, this morning she was on Get Up though, and they were discussing the NFL. Victor Cruz was doing most of the discussion. Well, she was yeah she she was just around. So if you haven't heard Michelle Beadle, she'll be off Get Up if anybody cares. And of course, uh, they give her some gig with the NBA, which I won't be watching. But she's got her own little show. So was this already in the works and just one opportunity to kind of make headlines? Maybe. Uh, or perhaps this just pushed her farther out. I don't know. Uh, you never know with these things. But 
I like to think that it pushed her out. <laughs> She's not getting rewarded for bad-mouthing college football and the NFL? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it was probably already in the works, so she felt like she could get away with that. Uh, if, if something, if you didn't have something to fall back on, why would you ever say, I'm not watching the NFL <laughs> or co- college football? I mean, what do no, you... No, not that. I haven't watched it in the last year or two. Yeah, that that as well. I mean, what are you, you're killing your credibility there. <laughs> uh, Jamil Hill, the other big storyline, she's uh, out at ESPN. Another one of your favorites. Yes, okay. Well... I thought the bigger storyline from the weekend, my biggest takeaway, uh, boxing, getting some headlines. Oh, yeah. How about that cat? Uh, what is his name? Curtis Harper. He gets into the ring. It looks like he's going to fight just a mammoth dude. I mean, I, I, I probably would have walked out of the ring also. <laughs> well, Right before they're about to fight, he literally walks out. Wasn't happy with the money he was getting paid. Right. Yeah, apparently this was all about the money. He thought he wasn't getting paid the money he was due. Yeah, so just walk out. So he just walked out, and boy, that spread like wildfire. On was this a publicity media. stunt, too? Well, it was a great way to get your statement. I mean, a great way to get your point across. Look, I don't think he's going to get paid, though. If he's worried about the money he was going to get paid for fighting, the fact he walks out before he even starts. Yeah, good luck getting promoted again. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, but it's funny that this never happened with the Mike Tyson fight back in his glory yeah. days. It's funny that nobody ever stepped out of the ring. Would have been smart for, for some one of those victims, too. A few of the headlines from the weekend, if we certainly missed one or two, hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's the Darren Moody State Farm hotline slash text line. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pink. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. We got a lot to break down over the course of the next hour and 45 minutes. We do have a couple guests lined up. Our high school football previews will continue. Washtenaw lines look pretty good against the Rustin Bearcats. They look, look, they look so good. That defense, I'm telling you, I've been hyping them up. After what I saw Saturday, I'm going to continue hyping that defense. Up. Jeff Fitzgerald will join us at 7:30. I guess Jake is going to drool all over him and the Washtenaw Lions coming up at the bottom of the hour. Stephen Fitzhugh will join us at 8 o'clock. They had a tough go at it against Gina. Boy, Gina's good. Gina's really good. Gina doesn't need help, and uh, OCS had two turnovers. Uh, that definitely helped uh, help the score go a little bit lopsided in Gina's favor. Uh, Nick White, the voice of the Warhawks, will join us at 8.30 as we look forward to the college football season starting in our neck of the woods Thursday night as Ooh. the Warhawks square off versus Southeastern. I've got an interview I had with Vic Dalrymple from this past weekend, of course, nice. Oak Grove's head coach. Got a couple, clips. Coach. Got a couple clips uh, from Mickey McCarty and Jerry Arledge. After that uh, thrilling jamboree bout, and we got to go through all the rest of the jamborees, and we got our work cut out for us. And also, uh, our Facebook page is up and running. It is the morning. Uh, drive. I think we're over a hundred uh, likes now. Yeah, I think we might have like a hundred thirty. Yeah, no, uh, no, no stopping us. And we were looking for a glamour shot, a new shot to put on there, and of course, Timo Tom Morris came through this weekend. Not a very flattering shot of myself. Well, you always pose weird. It's like you're halfway giving a thumbs up, halfway <laughs> flexing. I never know. You, you don't fully commit to either. And is it possible? Am I shrinking as I get older? <laughs> Am I like five foot four now? <laughs> Maybe I'm just getting taller. You look like you're like six foot four. Maybe I'm just getting taller. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. I, I nearly melted away on Saturday out there. You, I felt bad for you. <laughs> I, I really thought you were going to melt. I want to know how hot it was on that turf Saturday at Malone Stadium. It had to be at least 115. Oh, dude, it was so hot. I was down there for a half. I was like, yep, going back to the press box, <laughs> going back to the AC. 888-993-7762. We're off and running on game week on the morning drive. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group and Realty Studio in West Monroe. You want to break down what we witnessed over the course of uh, Friday and Saturday? Yes. Let's do that. Um First of all, uh, Bastrop in the fan base is back. Yeah, I thought you might want to start there. Um, they are. They, they showed up, and, of course, Darlington showed up as well. Um, but Bastrop, the way they came out, if you don't get pressure on Quaterius Hawkins, yeah. 
he will carve you up. And it's a major storyline that we had going into this uh, jamboree between the Rams and the Panthers. How would Stewarton match up defensively when Bastrop would spread him out like they did? And then what we saw, of course, was Hawkins uh, throwing darts all over the place. All over the place. And, uh, you know, it was one athlete after another. It wasn't like he was focusing on one guy. It wasn't like it was just Christian Smith. No, out there. no. It was guy after guy. And he finished with uh, – he completed 9 of 15 for 147 yards and two scores in the first 12 minutes. So, I mean, they really they, – they jumped out to a 16 nothing lead against Sterlington. And Sterlington – is, is trying to find a new quarterback. They had a couple interceptions early. Uh, didn't do themselves any favor there. But I thought over time, Stonington had some good things. Like C.J. Colvin had a really good 31-yard uh, uh, touchdown run. And, and it was just like, okay, shut him down. Yeah. <laughs> Take him out of the game. Shut him down. No need to see anymore. Uh, you want this guy healthy for the season. But, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with Bastrop. I think size-wise, too, they got some big old boys, man. They, they're going to be a competitor in that 4A. I think you had two things happen from this weekend. You had the West Bernard-Neville matchup get a little bit tastier, and then you had Neville-Bastrop get even. You know, it was a great game last year, 10 to nothing. Of course, it was scoreless in the fourth quarter. But after watching what Bastrop did, I can't wait to see Quaterius Hawkins and those athletes go against that Neville defense. That's going to be a lot of fun. I think Bastrop fans would be the first to admit it. Their fan base is a little fickle. Uh, they were out, though. And, they're excited and They're, they're about back this. on board. There's reason to be on yeah. board, though. They're going to be fun to watch this year. They, and, of course, no doubt. it starts in week one for them as they get a rematch against Carver, a squad that beat them twice last year. They'll get them in their home place come Friday night, something they did not get last year in the two matchups against Carver. Certainly a talking point, something that stood out from this uh, weekend. Uh, Brandon says, got to give Aaron his props. Shirt soaked from the sweat and heat, but uh, the hair was still on point. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, also, of course, uh, other things from the Jamboree that uh, we took notice of. Mangum Oak Grove, we're curious to see, uh, could uh, Mangum slow down Oak Grove? They certainly did that. In fact, uh, the Dragons in the second half really uh, put together some, Listen, a magnificent drive. Well, so there's a 12-minute 12, 12 halves, okay? And Mangum took nine-plus minutes off the clock with their first drive of the second half. It, for a minute there, I was thinking, will Oak Grove even get a possession in this half? And then uh, they were unable to, to score. Uh, Oak Grove, had, it was a running play. It looked like there was a, a wide open lane, and it was like a ghost fumble. I don't know how this back lost the football. Mangum jumps on it, gets another shot at it, uh, misses a field goal, but it was a 0-0 tie. But I came away from that jamboree more impressed with Mangum than I was with Oak Grove. I can't say I was expecting that going into it. And, of course, the Keenan Caldwell kid, uh, the junior from Oak Grove, one of the top prospects in the state, he's certainly living up to the hype. He was a force up front. Absolutely. Um, OCS had a bit of trouble against Gina. Um, I thought even though they, they struggled against a very good Gina team. 34-14. The passing attack was pretty good, man. Turner Carr looked pretty good throwing the football down the field. They just had – they had a fumble and an interception at the beginning of the second half, <clears throat> which kind of led to uh, the, the score getting so lopsided. You were very impressed with uh, Washita, of course, Lions head coach Jeff Fitzgerald will join us at 730. Yeah, I really was. Um, I, I was really impressed with Zach Shaw, the sophomore quarterback. It, it, such a young guy getting his real first shot against big-time competition. You're going up against a 5A Rustin team, a very good Rustin football team. He was calm and poised in the pocket. And when Rustin got pressure on him, he's, you know, dishing it out with pressure like it's nobody's business. I was I was like, man, this kid is playing well above his years right now. That was impressive, but I think the defense is, is what's going to be the storyline here, the fact that you've got so many they, – they lost four really, really, really good players on that defense, but everybody else is back. And the athleticism on that defense, we're talking about guys like Brennan Hardy – um, and and uh, Joquez Jackson and I mean these players Tony McNeil they were making play after play after play against Rustin really frustrating that Rustin offense I thought Rustin would have the advantage because the Outley was back they had more, you know the, the veteran back under center but uh, Washita got the better of Rustin in that jamboree 
course, uh, more coming from uh, West Monroe and Neville later in this show with uh, West Monroe winning a squeaker 7-6. to six. You'll hear from Mickey and Jerry coming up later on. Over at the Eddie Robinson Classic, uh, the major storyline being Evangel versus Union. Hmm. And the fact that the, the farmers uh, win this ball game has got to raise a few eyebrows across the state. It certainly raised mine. Uh, you know, I, I talked with uh, West Washtenaw head coach Matt Middleton last night, and they got a win. They, they beat Winfield 27-14. He said, yeah, that was a big boost, but the bigger boost was seeing what Union Parish did to Evangel. Because mm. so, we, scr- we scrimmaged against – uh, Union Parish, and I thought we we did pretty well, but you never really know what that measuring stick is. To see what they did against uh, Evangel makes us feel a heck of a lot better about our football team. So yeah, that that score resonated across the state. Uh, Calvary takes care of Ravel over there, twenty-one to seven. Faraday, they're missing the two big guys, or maybe they're not. Uh, they roll over a very good program in Northwest, uh, twenty-six to nothing. Arcadia, the Corey Russell show continues over there. Uh, he rolls against Lincoln Prep. They end up winning that thing 32 to nothing. And the big uh, storyline Friday night, of course, Wasman uh-huh. versus Carroll. And the Wildcats uh, take care of their rival 29 to nothing. Antrell Green, they carried over this, this quarterback competition into the season. And Antrell Green showed out. He connected with Desmond uh, Watson on three touchdown passes. Looked really good throwing the football. Big time win for Wasman. And. Also, we failed to mention St. Frederick. They fell ultimately to Jonesboro Hodge, oh. uh, 13-7. to I thought St. Frederick looked really good. They just had four costly turnovers. They couldn't finish drives. Yeah. Uh, Jonesboro Hodge, of course, getting their two scores on special teams hmm. as well. Uh, Jonathan weighs in and says, you know, guys, uh, Beatles, a wrestling fan, totally looks like uh, a work straight out of the WWE. <laughs> might Correct. be. Yeah. It might be. 888-993-7762. If we missed one or two headlines from the Jamborees, please let us know. We're back after this with Washtenaw head coach Jeff Fitzgerald. Welcome back to the show. Game week has arrived. Boy, we are looking forward to uh, some high school football this weekend. And, of course, in the college ranks, a couple big matchups that will continue to break down for you. Continue to look back at an eventful weekend and some Jamboree action, including Washita versus Ruston. Now join us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline, Jeff Fitzgerald, the Lions head coach. Jeff, how you doing this morning, bud? Man, I'm doing great. How y'all this morning? Oh, fine. Uh, you get an opportunity to kind of soak in what took place out at Malone Stadium. First of all, your biggest observations for, from the Lions and the Cats from Saturday. You know, it, it was a it was a very good ball game, pretty clean on both sides, uh, offensively and defensively for us. And, Obviously, Ruston's a, a great opponent, uh, very well coached. Coach Ball does a tremendous job with his team. And, uh, you know, you're going to be going up against uh, uh, great players at the same time. So um, gives you a, it, it gives you a good measuring stick of where you're at. And uh, we didn't have a we – we weren't able to have a scrimmage. Uh, got lightning out and lightning delays and everything. And so, um, you know, it, it was good for us. What was that like? I mean, this is basically the first time you actually got an opportunity to square off somebody. I mean, uh, that had to, and then the big environment, of course, the, the college stadium. You had a lot of different factors working against you early on. We did. We had we had some pretty big eyes out there. That is for sure. Uh, some of our guys were, uh, I guess, a little bit starstruck by the by the big stadium and the bright lights, and then uh, you know, just just that venue is uh, can be somewhat intimidating. Uh, for guys that haven't been out there. And we've got a couple of young guys that play. And then uh, for our guys that uh, that have played and been out there before, I think stepping on the field at, at Malone against somebody without having a scrimmage uh, prior to that was uh, was a little bit difficult for us. So, But, uh, you know, we, we ended up competing well there toward uh, the midway through the second half. And, uh, it was it, it was good for us. All right, Coach, I've been hyping up your defense this summer. Uh, I think they were worthy of the hype in that jamboree. When you watch this thing back, what jumps out at you about the defensive side of the football? You know, defensively, we, we've got some pretty good speed on defense. And uh, our guys play hard, and that's what, that's something that we ask them to do. We don't do a whole lot defensively other than get out there and play base defense and uh, mix in a blitz or two here or there. But our guys play fast. And uh, the good thing about it is they've all been playing since they were sophomores. And so um, most of those guys are two- and three-year starters. 
and that that makes a big difference. There's a, a learning curve that we that we're not having to overcome right now, and they're able to to play without thinking, and so that is that has been huge uh, this fall coming into it. Jeff Fitzgerald, Washington's head coach, joins us on the Darren Moody State from Hotline. A lot of eyeballs, of course, on your quarterback, the young Shaw kid. Uh, how do you think? How do you think he performed in uh, his first outing? Man, for his first outing, he performed very well. Uh, our offensive line did a tremendous job of protecting him, and then uh, he didn't—he didn't go out there and just lay an egg. But he—he uh, he was very calm and uh, kept his composure. And you know, he got pressured a few times and didn't panic, but uh, did some really good things and uh, threw some good balls. And uh, he managed the offense very well for a for a sophomore. Dylan Roberts, he feels like he's been around uh, the Northeast Louisiana for years. He's now entered his uh, senior year. How reassuring is it for you to have him back there knowing you can give him the rock? Man, when I tell you that is one more good young man, that joker is uh, as good a football player as he is, he is that much better off the field as a person. Hmm. And uh, so you know that – on the field, he's going to do everything he can uh, for his team. And, man, it does feel like he's been around a while because he's been playing. It's another one that's been playing since he's a sophomore. And I am extremely thankful he's back. Um, he's a he's a great team leader. He's one of those guys that everybody on the team loves. And, uh, you know, they just they look forward to, to seeing what he's going to do every every week. I mean, we're talking about a kid as a sophomore rushed for over 1,500 yards last year, another 1,000 yards. Uh, keep him healthy. He's got to have another big year. What are realist expectations for him in this offense for your ground game? You know, we we just expect him to to come out and do what the what the game plan requires. We know we're going to get tremendous effort. You know, obviously he's a very explosive player, and uh, but he's you know the thing about him is he is so selfless. There's another young man behind him, Sean Xavier Lewis, and both of those guys complement one another very well. Uh, both of them very explosive, and it's so funny that uh, that Dylan will Dylan will, will hang back so Sean Xavier can get some touches too. And so, uh, man, you, I'm telling you, I cannot say enough good things about about him. He he is awesome and uh, and a great player to boot. Coach, last year you guys certainly made uh, major strides, but you had issues of getting over the hump, of course, closing out opponents, a number of uh, big ball games. How do you guys get over that proverbial hump this year and win those tight games? Well, we're relying heavily on our uh, senior leadership. And uh, those guys, they were all in those games, and we feel like that they see what it takes to to get over that, and uh, we just hope that, that they've learned from their experiences. And I know uh, as coaches we've learned a lot of things along the way. and um, you know, But we're, we're definitely relying heavily on the senior leadership of our team to be able to, to press on through some of those uh, adversities. Do you go back and watch that West Monroe game, of course, the, uh, you know, the, the 14-13 loss, or you kind of put that in the past? Man, I put it in the past. Um, obviously – you know, it's hard not to think about uh, when football season rolls around. But uh, we've got so much so much to worry about right now with uh, just our, our upcoming opponents and that I had. I mean, we've put it in the past and just moved on. There's nothing we can all do right. thinking about it that's going to change. So. Well, it all starts uh, Friday night versus uh, Richwood. The Rams have lost a number of uh, playmakers. What are you expecting from the Rams on Friday? Man, they're going to be fired up. I mean, they're coming off of a, a state runner-up. Uh, run last season, and uh, so they're going to be excited to come into the Lions' den, and they're going to be getting after it. They still, you know, they did lose some playmakers, but man, they still got some playmakers coming back. Uh, they return a, a very, very strong defensive unit, and then uh, offensively, they got a couple of cats that can go. And so uh, they're they're still a very explosive Richwood team for sure. And, and to follow up on Aaron's question earlier uh, about the, the tight loss to West Monroe, and, of course, you had another tight loss against Ruston as well. I know it's just a jamboree. It doesn't count toward the record. But psychologically, do you feel like this gives you a boost, get, getting the win over Washita in the jamboree? Absolutely gives you a boost. And, um, you know, and it doesn't go in the record books, but it's still always in your mind. And 
um, you're still on the field against a, another opponent. And so anytime you get out there against an opponent, whether it's a scrimmage or whether it's a jamboree, it doesn't matter what it is, then those uh, those competitive juices get to flowing. And, you know, and, and, and then when you're able to come out with a, a victory, then it always helps uh, psychologically for sure. Jeff, uh, did you stick around then and watch uh, Neville and Wes Monroe after you guys' jam? Man, I wasn't able to. I really wanted to, but um, but I wasn't able to. We had to round that team up and try to get them back. They were all wanting to watch it as well. Well, appreciate the time. We'll see you out there uh, Friday night in the Lions Den as Washtaw slugs it out with Richwood. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I can't. First of all, I can't wait for the Richwood game this this weekend. Um, Richwood, of course, uh, played down in the Del High uh, Jamboree on Friday. They take care of business. I think it was fourteen nothing versus General Trice. Twelve nothing against General Trice. Yeah. Um, and, and I talked with with Coach Arvey about that uh, performance, and he was, you know, talking about the defense. They they seem to be uh, strong again. Uh, you know, guys like Jaquarius Leonard on that defensive line. That'll be a name that you get used to to hearing about this season. But yeah, I, I think you look back at last year with, when Washtenaw played Richwood. It was a forty-two to six game, but both coaches said it was a lot closer than that score indicated. It was just a couple of uh, big special teams plays. A guy, Chonsavia Lewis, who Coach Fitzgerald just mentioned, uh, he had a big impact on that game with with, with one huge return. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, I'm looking forward to seeing how Richwood goes into that game with the mindset of, hey, we just played for a state championship game. No, we lost a lot of skilled players, a lot of athletes, but uh, we think we can compete with the upper echelon. I believe Washtaw to be in that upper echelon this year. Bob already weighs in, says uh, Washtaw wins this one 40-6. It will be a butt whipping and will be again. He says it was a butt whipping last year and will be again. It was a butt whipping last year. You just said it was a lot closer than this. Well, almost on this forty-two to six. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can try to paint it any way you want to, but forty-two to six is still a butt whooping. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. You can also weigh in on the Darren Moody State from Hotline slash Text Line. Uh, Caleb has one here for you, Jake. Says Homer fell just short of Minden, nine to seven and two fifteen-minute halves. Homer dresses around twenty-five and Minden dresses at least seventy-five. I think it was a huge surprise to some folks. Well, let's take a timeout. Coming up more on the morning drive, we'll go through what was an eventful weekend in the NFL as we inch closer to the opening night. The morning drive is back after this on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to the show. Now we dive into the high school ranks. What caught your attention the most from the NFL this past weekend? Uh, good question. I think... If I'm looking at it, I could go several routes with, with players. I think I want to go with the Falcons' offense as a whole. What? Uh, Drake said, he called in the Tabor, said, I looked like I was uh, I, were, I was in a wet T-shirt contest on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who was it? 14-0 Productions. They had a picture of you. Uh-huh. Uh, I encourage people to go check that out. Aaron was absolutely drenched. <laughs> Uh, that was who said that Trey? Yeah. Good job, Trey. That that was perfect. Um, <laughs> Sorry to get you off track there. Anyway, uh, no, I, I could go several different ways, but I think I want to go with the Falcons' offense as a whole. You want to start with the Falcons of all people? Well, this is why because they were under such scrutiny last year because of the way Sarkeesian came in and the offense just went de- declined. I mean, you're talking about one of the most explosive offenses in 2016. 2017, that wasn't the case. And I know this is the preseason game, but this is the quote-unquote most important preseason game. Week week three is always when you have the most starters play. And the offense in the first half, they were 0 for 5 on third down. Uh, they totaled less than 100 yards. So for me, that was kind of the biggest standout is, you know, I'm just sitting here assuming, you know, they, they had uh, Calvin Ridley and – I'm just assuming that Sarkeesian figures this thing out and the Falcons get back to where they were in 2016. That may not be the case yeah. because this was not a performance that would encourage that that line of thinking. So that really stood out to me, the fact that the Falcons' offense struggled a lot like it did last year. A dress rehearsal, and then, of course, the Cowboys go out last night and they get hammered by Arizona. Well, but, of course, Dak and Ezekiel don't play. They got three some offensive linemen. Uh, offensive play. linemen, they don't want to throw them out there. And then you have eight turnovers in this ballgame. 
Yeah, again, you're missing so many vital pieces. Do you really want to look at that? And I don't know. I don't think that's too big of a deal when you consider who they didn't have. So you didn't put him out there in week number three because of your offensive line issues. Do you put him out there in the final no. preseason? Why? I think, honestly, man, I think preseason games for your starter, I understand they want to get work. They want to get used to the speed of the game again. You only get that against going against NFL teams. But why not do that in these in these scrimmages yeah. with teams? You know, you have these close scrimmages with these teams, like the Saints with the Chargers. Let Drew Brees get all the reps he wants against them because they can't touch him. That way you don't risk an injury. And then when it comes to these actual preseason games, Man, get your second team and third team out there. Let's see who can help this football team. Let's let's see somebody go out there and win a roster spot. I think that's what these preseason games are for. I I'd hate to see you know week four, the last, the final preseason game. You go out there, you throw your starters out there, and they get hurt, just like Darius guys got hurt earlier in the preseason. And that was the big takeaway from last week with uh, the Saints practicing against the Chargers, the work that Drew Brees got. Right. And then, of course, did see his first action in the exhibition. He comes out, gets obviously off to a slow start with the interception, and they were two and out on uh, th- three drives to start that game. He comes back. Brees' numbers aren't bad. Seven of nine, 59 yards, and, of course, the interception. The biggest talking point probably from this 36-7 to win for the Saints was the fact uh, their defensive reserves, how well they played against the reserves from the Chargers. I mean, he scored 36 unanswered points. I mean, I don't know where you read into this, what well, the biggest takeaways you are. You look at it the other way. The Chargers offense, the first team, had their moments, of course, against the yep. Saints' first team defense. That's what I was going to say. The run, the run defense didn't look spectacular against the Chargers. The first team run defense didn't. Yeah, so. the first team does. San Diego offense, uh, they racked up 101 yards, seven first downs in the, the first two series. And then, of course, for the rest of the game, the Saints defense and the reserves dominated, just gave up uh, 71 yards. Derek says, thanks, Jake. You said everything that I was thinking. I think a lot of us feel that way about preseason football. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that said, let me ask you this, Aaron. This might be kind of silly. Uh, and I ask all of you, 888-993-7762. Are you concerned with Drew Brees throwing an interception because we've read so much that he's been picked off a lot in the, in camp? No. Not concerned at all? Not even a little bit. Just because he's getting older. You know, the arm strength, we saw a dip in that last year. Uh, Accuracy-wise, he had his best year ever. Accuracy-wise, yes. Didn't have that deep threat that we've we've known Drew Brees to have his entire career though i would be more concerned about the fact that the big pickup offensively you had this year was a meredith coming in the guy i think now has been in part of 48 oh. preseason snaps and still does not have one reception to his name yeah um and especially when you think back he he was kind of the part of the catalyst of uh why we hated on Taysom hill so much yeah. he had he was to blame for that interception that kind of started that downward spiral for the offense against um or, or two weeks ago. So, yeah, man, I'm looking at this Cameron Meredith pickup, and I'm going, okay, because Traquan Smith is still your best number two right now. And, that you know, he's a good receiver, but rookie, I, I think you expect to get the pickup from the Chicago Bears. You, you expect him to be automatically second-best guy, but instead you got Traquan Smith. All right, everybody, once again, is in love with Hill. And the, the number of times that the Saints went for the two-point conversions – they were three or four on two-point conversions. There's going to be a lot of talk now. Will, will there be special packages when you bring Hill in? And are you willing to do that, take Drew Brees, a future Hall of Famer, off the field I don't like it. to put Hill in there for in certain uh, instances? Maybe I, a two-point conversion, maybe a gimmick play here or there. Maybe a fake punt. <laughs> that's that's all I want from it. Uh, I Listen, I never really liked the Wildcat package i don't like taking your quarter unless your quarterback just isn't that good like he's one of the weak spots of your offense then i get it okay that's fine but if your quarterback is one of your better players i never ever understood taking him either out of the game or putting him at at wide receiver i I just never liked that gimmick and so if you're asking me, no, I'd, I'd like for them not to do that. Just keep number nine on the field. And it's still weird. Uh, Hill leads a touchdown drive, and then you see him still on the kickoff return or kickoff yeah. coverage. Yeah, yeah, and making plays, still making plays. But, yeah, I'll, I, he's a guy that you root for because he's, he's that 
he, he can play so many positions, and he's just a straight up football player. What I mean by what I mean by that is he doesn't mind getting hit. He likes you know getting his hands dirty and, and getting in on the play, whether it's special teams, uh, fake punt, or playing quarterback. The other takeaways from the Saints, of course, uh, Marcus Davenport. We mentioned the, the rookie seeing his first uh, action, and boy, he looked impressive in limited number of snaps. He was all over the field. That is certainly promising. We continue to keep eye on the uh, backup running back battle, and of course it involves former Louisiana Tech star Boston Scott. He ends up with uh, six carries for 18 yards. He's competing against Shane Vereen, and Vereen didn't exactly do anything special. Maybe Boston has the upper hand because of the things he can do on special teams that Vereen cannot. You just nailed it. Absolutely. Plus, I mean, he's younger. Uh, you can do more things with him, I feel. I think Sean Payton hasn't shown you anything he really wants to do with him yet. But I think come the season, you're talking about spe- special packages. I think Boston Scott's got a package uh, designed by Sean Payton. Those are the biggest takeaways from uh, the Saints' uh, 36-7 to win over the Chargers. Around the NFL, a couple of uh, different news and notes. I guess you have to go with uh, Adrian Peterson. Everybody's going to continue to drool over him. He sets foot in the Redskins camp, and what does he do? He goes out and he looks magnificent in a preseason game. Uh, his overall number is 11 carries for 56 yards. Here's the thing about that. I think if he wouldn't have played last year, <clears throat> like if he would have been injured and, and nursing an injury and we wouldn't have seen him at all last year and he would have came in and done this in preseason, yeah, I think this would be a big deal. But we saw him play last year. And he had a couple of big games with Arizona, and I mean a couple. But other than that, nothing really special. So for that reason, I don't think we should overreact to this. And the Cardinals were so enamored with him last year that they cut him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So The comeback of uh, Andrew Luck continues. He looked a little bit better this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, what, 20 of 32 in the preseason? Yeah. Has, he threw his first touchdown pass. Uh, so that's good. I, I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he continues to get healthy and gets back to to the playing. I almost said elite playing form, but I mean, I don't, was he ever really an elite player? Yes. Yes. You think he was elite, yes, Aaron, yes. Aaron? Aaron. Aaron. Uh, he was one of the top eight quarterbacks in the okay, league. Okay, but I th- when I think elite, I think top, top five. All right. And I and I'm being kind with five. Yeah. So I don't think Luck was ever at that stage. But Luck was a really good quarterback. Yeah. Can he get back to that stage? That's what we're all looking for. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, 7 of 10 for 98 yards and a touchdown for Baltimore. Tom Brady continues to tear it up in the preseason, 12 of 18 for 102 yards. Just random uh, news and notes. Yeah, right not moving the needle for me. I'm just like, okay. Tom Brady's still out there. Yeah. Talk about a guy that doesn't have to prove anything. He's still out there in the preseason games. Well, this is what he does. Doug Peterson getting agitated. Now, now we're talking. <laughs> Now you've got my interest. Doug Peterson, who, you know, we typically don't see get too far up. He's on CBS uh, Morning News. He's making his rounds, of course, uh, promoting his new book. They were grilling him, of course, uh, about the national anthem and other things. That didn't rattle him. But, of course, he, he comes on. Uh, he's standing in front of the media, the Philadelphia media, and he keeps being asked about Carson Wentz. What's the timetable for him returning? And he got a little agitated. Yeah. What, what well, there's say? so many ways you can ask the question. He just kept saying it's not my decision. It comes from uh, the higher ups, of course, the doctors. When he's cleared, he's cleared, and then he'll play. Yeah. And they kept asking over and over and trying to rephrase it. And finally, Doug said, "All right, guys, I've had enough of this. When he gets cleared, he'll play." Pesky media. Yeah. Always trying to agitate. No, I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was funny, just because, like we said, Doug Peterson, you, you typically don't see that from him. Mm-hmm. I would be tired of that too, man. This has been a storyline going on and on. And and it has to be asked because this is an Eagles team that just won the Super Bowl. If you're going to compete for another Super Bowl, you would think that you need Carson Wentz back there. Nick Foles proved he can win it. But, you know, how much of that How much of that can you carry over into this year and go, yeah, Foles can start every week of the season and, and, and still lead this team. I think Carson Wentz, who was going to win the MVP before he got injured, is the guy that people have faith in, more faith in. So, yeah, it has to be asked. Uh, strip clubs in Denver, they are fired up. Pac-Man Jones is signed with the Broncos over the weekend. <laughs> Can I make it rain? Yes. And if you can make, missed it last night, uh, the Cowboys get hammered 27-3. to Of course, eight turnovers in this ball game. Ouch. You love bringing that up, huh? 
Is that because we're having Nick White on later? You keep bringing that up. Or maybe it's because we got uh, Stephen Fitzy coming up next. I go back to that state championship game when they had 10 turnovers and they nearly won. If I bring that up with Coach Fitzy coming up after the break, uh, you think he's going to cringe? I think so. Yeah. Why would you do that? Uh, t- well, cut tied in with the Cowboys. Eight turnovers wasn't even close. <laughs> Eagles had 10 and they nearly won that state championship game. Yeah, they, had, they had opportunities. How many fumbles were, was that? There you was remember? a number of them. I, I lost count of how many turnovers there were. And at some point in the second half, I said, how many is that now? Wow. That's insane. Other uh, odds and ends from the weekend. We mentioned, of course, uh, Beetle being uh, moved out of Get Up. Jamil Hill out at ESPN. A boxer quits in the ring before the fight even starts. Uh there was also some uh, tough news from Mississippi. How about the high school player yeah. that uh, died on the field during a game? He was actually on, on the, the sideline. Side yeah, just kind of uh, passed out, fell, started shaking, and uh, just the the most horrifying uh, circumstance that could happen. I mean, that's that's terrifying. Obviously, you know, prayers are out to his family. You were not watching, but uh, Hawaii wins the Little League World Series. I was not watching. You're correct. Hey, a couple of quick college football notes. Um, JT Daniels will start for USC this year. That's a big deal because he's a freshman, and he's only the second freshman in program history to start beginning of the year. Um, Other note. Has Alabama or LSU named their starting quarterbacks yet? No, but I think – I haven't seen about Alabama. Um, I don't think they have, though. I I feel like I would have saw that. Um, LSU, you'll probably get that answer this afternoon. Ed Orgeron meets with the media for his little luncheon, first one of the year. Should learn something. Other note, uh, Tariq Black out from Michigan with the right foot injury. Remember, he struggled with that injury last year. That's a big blow for Michigan because he is a dynamic athlete. Looks like he's going to miss some time this year. It was nice waking up a Saturday morning. Of course, college game day was on. They had a preseason special. Can't wait till Saturday now. Yes, sir. It's all here. 7 o'clock hour in the books on the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. You can weigh in on the Darren Moody State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Find out how to save money on home and auto insurance by stopping by and visiting with Darren on 18th Street in Monroe. We're back after this. Our high school football previews will roll along. Stephen Fitzhugh from OCS joins us after the break. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.